It is time Pre-cum. to come. I was right sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't know how to talk to people. It's been, it's been a long, long lockdown. It is time to tune up the bad and grab your medallions for the gift of the gods, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we trundle along on this wacky journey through the world of professional wrestling. This episode, we are lovingly joined by the Apron Bump Podcast, the hardest part of the ring. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. Who brought this lad American onto my podcast? Hey, uh, <laughs> McDonald's, right? Huh? Cowboy hat? Dude, hell yeah. 7-Eleven. I love that place. Okay, okay. Don't uh, talk to me about 7-Eleven. Tea, I literally, I literally went to New York and saw my first 7-Eleven like I just saw a deer. Really? <laughs> You're like, oh my god, it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't turn a corner without seeing at least three of them. Dude, and- one thing I can say though is UK's getting Wendy's back. We are? Yeah. They're oh, opening one in the UK like next year. Holy hell. Took them long enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is that is I will gladly check that place out. Let's see. Let's go. Let's check this. Let's see what all the fuss is about. I was going to say, a little premature uh, recommendation corner, but if anyone's seen the 1980s training video for Wendy's, I highly recommend finding that on YouTube. <laughs> that is a that is a very specific recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Before I get on, um, our guest, if you'd like to introduce yourself and uh, tell, you, tell the lovely audience here at the Sweet Chin Wag what you like to cover on the Apron Bump podcast. Plug away. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you guys, first of all, for having me. Really <laughs> appreciate it. But yes, I am uh, the hardest part of the ring and uh, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. So it's mainly a uh, retro review podcast, review uh, pay-per-views and other events from uh, a bunch of different timelines and promotions, uh, WWF, WCW, uh, but also stuff like TNA, ROH, the old stuff, the golden era stuff. Uh, as well as progress too. I, I try to delve into your neck of the woods over there. So, <laughs> very, very uh, varied uh, podcast over there. If you if you guys are interested in checking out some uh, retro reviews, stuff from the past when when crowds were allowed to watch. <laughs> what is yeah. crowd? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. and, and, and if you could, and if you could state your name for the record, <laughs> <laughs> for, for reason's sake. <laughs> The hardest part of the ring. You you can call me hard for short if you if you'd rather do that. Uh, I I'd rather I honestly rather do that. Ring. <laughs> ring. Uh, it's whatever. I'll respond to all of them. <laughs> Alrighty. So as I like to usually say, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Forever Pending other platforms as i said on armchairs uh, episode uh, the uh, this week i will eventually get over to those other platforms you can do it as yeah. our motto on the i sweet sent you a list of like four so yeah. as we say on this podcast 
always be pending. <laughs> we will find you the platforms, and we will apply to them. <laughs> Whether they accept us? Well, that's another story. Uh, <laughs> so, before we get on to our main portion of this episode, all about Lucha Underground, it is time to head over and visit Dan for this week's Wrestling News. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling yeah. News. There you go. There you go. You got to hear that right like, in if, the I, flesh. if I was if I was feeling what I should have done is learn to say wrestling news in Spanish, but I didn't. So I didn't. Why didn't theme. you? L- L- Lucha something. Like there like many other things, I forgot. I was going to say you ended up turning into Kalisto there for a second, Reed. Lucha, Lucha <laughs> thing. <laughs> I mean, that was always going to be my next, the next evolution of myself to just become Kalisto. <laughs> we will do good podcasting things. Yes. <laughs> Woo! Goddamn. Woo! Uh, yeah, let's get straight into it. Let's get into Raw. Uh, and as usual, Raw is like 95% filler and 5% good stuff. As per usual. Yeah. Yep. As per usual, since about March last year. <laughs> um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to really come out of it, but uh, we now know that we're getting New Day versus Hurt Business on the go home for Fastlane. Don't know why they don't just do it at do, Fastlane. <laughs> do they not just fight every week? Yes. Isn't it just like New Day, they take turns between fighting Hurt Business and Retribution, and they just. They basically. At any one moment, there's only allowed to be allowed to be two tag teams who are allowed to fight each other for six weeks repeatedly. Right. So, exactly. and the Usos that, are on SmackDown. So, isn't yeah. that just then? Isn't that just a plot to Afro Samurai? Potentially. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense considering that Kofi and Xavier Woods were dressed as Sub Zero and Scorpion this week. Yo, it all uh, makes sense. This is this is just all a v- extremely hard reference to the Samuel L. Jackson anime Afro Samurai and perhaps Afro Samurai Resurrection. Okay, I'll tell you something that wasn't though the Shane versus Braun promo because we need to talk about this. <laughs> Basically, Shane McMahon just forgot how to talk. Again, big mood. It is the middle of a pandemic, so. <laughs> And here's it's this. This is coming from the same man who had a live mic every week on Raw Underground, and yet he still forgot how to talk into the mic. <laughs> he didn't have the dancers in the background. Ex- that. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yes. See, I just like I just like to think that he was just there, and they just he just kept getting fed into his ear. They're like, "You need to delay it out. We need to fill some time. Fill some time, please." He just stands there. <laughs> Just breathe heavy. Just be sweaty, Shane. That's all I need you to do. Would you small flop sweat, Shane? You're not looking glossy (laughs) enough. It's just so weird. And then, like, again, though, I fucking commando Braun Strowman. I hate Braun Strowman's shirt and his his fucking gloves. (laughs) I hate everything about him. I hate his bald head. It's like it's Stop, like an extra. Coming off strong there, my dude. He just, I mean, he just he just looks like a guy who's like obsessed with buying camo all the time. Want to be hunting? Like it'd be a yeah. hunter if that's what you are. But he he just wears hunting clothes and says nothing about it. Unfortunately, you don't really blend into the raw set wearing all green. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe Noah, but. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he should be like, uh, it could be a King Cuerno of Raw, right? Exactly. Yeah. Tying it all together, huh, Hunter? 
<laughs> oh. I feel, I feel like good. it's a way of him as well. Is if he ever walks into the woods, he might not, he he doesn't get accidentally shot for looking like a Sasquatch. <laughs> Potential. This is actually his secret to hide from uh, to hide from Bray Wyatt by just going into forests and blending in. Pretty but then he gets shot by Dick Cheney. But I digress. <laughs> um, otherwise, though, really not a lot else to come from Raw. And as we're getting very close towards Fastlane, we only have two matches confirmed, <laughs> both of which are on SmackDown. Sounds <laughs> about right. Yeah. Uh, so the predicted matches for Raw uh, are, are Drew versus Sheamus non-title, uh, and then Riddle versus Ali for the US title. Um, not that I necessarily know that any of those have had any actual proper build, aside from possibly two weeks of build for Drew versus Sheamus. But I mean, they've already been wrestling each other, though. So like, why would <laughs> why is that building to the pay per view when we've already seen it a few times? Exactly. Or maybe, maybe because. <laughs> No, that that's not for raw. <laughs> like I said, the answer is because it has to happen now. It's oh, a God best of hell. nine series. <laughs> oh God! Don't make them turn into the tag team by the end of it. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it's, it's the um the pub, not the, the bar. The, 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 the tag, the fucking tag team best of twenty seven series. I, mean, uh, I don't have a problem watching them wrestle every week, but like. Oh, it needs man. a reason. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Except for turning their backs into burger meat, but you know, I, I, right. I, can, I can understand that's probably a good reason for social media. But yeah. uh, moving over to NXT UK, Ben Carter now re-debuting as Nathan Fraser. Um, I mean, I'm guessing this is just a WWE copyright move. Yeah, it, it, it's just them having a name they can copyright and have the ownership of. Guess yeah. it makes sense. It's it's weird though that they had him be Ben Carter for so long, and he's been like a very prominent figure on NXT yeah. for like what, a month or two. Yeah, and then now now they decided it'd be one thing if he had like one match and then they changed it, but it's weird that he's so like far into his run and now he's changing his name. Ultimately, very like, con- very confusing. Nathan, Nathan Frey, there's been a lot worse names, and I kind of judge it based on how I picture Nigel is going to yell it. And I'd rather him yell Nathan Frazier than Ben Carter. So, yes, yeah, I can get along with it. Don't <laughs> uh, forget Kenny Michael McGinnis. Oh, no. don't forget uh, Michael McGillicuddy. That's all I'll say. Oh, Michael <laughs> McGillicuddy. <laughs> that man chose that name himself. <laughs> but yes, as you were, Dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan picking up the win. Uh, I very much appreciate Amir Jordan getting annoyed at Kenny Williams cheating. Yes. Very Amir Jordan move, and to be fair, I, I love Amir Jordan. So yeah, we are an Amir Jordan uh, stand podcast here. Oh, yeah. so you are the three people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're the three people that don't live in Birmingham. We are. We are the only three people who don't live in Birmingham. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh then ah oh, yeah so let's just get into nxt main and let's just say they there's nxt women's tag titles and they got given to raquel and dakota kai and they lost them in the same night <laughs> reminds me of Rey mysterio's uh run as wwe champion that ended at the same night I, I was there live fun fact i got to witness that and, oh, uh, how annoyed was, was the crowd <laughs> it was they're pretty indifferent to it honestly <laughs> 
so we have another set of titles in and so the, i think my personal favorite about this was like Shawn michaels coming along saying oh they nxt definitely has the depth for this uh though i'd argue maybe at this point they don't have the runtime to keep everything in <laughs> yeah i'd rather them just use like the the existing titles that they had because it was already a set of titles that could go across all brands mm. i mean if yeah you had essentially rebrand them as nxt tag titles maybe or something along those you, lines you, you had a set of tag titles that could be defended on all three brands that were already being underutilized <laughs> right so what like, if you they like say like kai and gonzalez won those titles and then they could start a program in nxt but with the existing tag titles i think you could i would have rather them taken that route rather than just having yeah two yeah. sets of women's tag titles which will likely both be diluted in a matter of weeks oh. it's it's so confusing because they've literally already done this before in 2019 <laughs> right I, i'm surprised that otis didn't come out just make start making a lot of weird noises and shaking please no uh uh, Io retains over Tony Storm, and then Pete Dunne sets out his challenge that he is the best technical wrestler in NXT. Uh, it's now an open challenge. Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> no, I need I need Drew Gulak in oh, NXT. That as well. Oh, ooh. I popped a chub on that Need Drew one. Gulak. Ooh, now I've changed my mind. <laughs> ooh, I you know. I, I think it might be a. Uh... Chris Benoit. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, I haven't heard Word. from Chris Benoit for a very long time. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely the morning for you, isn't it? You just, <laughs> just didn't care. He, re he really woke up and chose violence. <laughs> he really did. Is your fault um, down here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, originally my thought was going to be like, oh, they'll do like Timothy Thatcher, and then they'll probably, or like there'll be some random job talent that they'll use just because they're like, ah, oh, we can just throw them in here. But Tyler. just get, just, yeah, someone, someone like that probably. Um, but if they just want to bring, if they just want to get Drew Gulak away from like the 24 7 title and just bring him over here and like let him do what he wants to do, that would be yeah. good. I would love that. He's not yeah. doing anything. Yeah, like you said, he's not doing anything right now, so <laughs> might as well. Absolutely. Uh, we had another promo building between Thatcher and Imperium. Uh, I mean, we're super happy to see this. We want Thatcher uh, back to, I guess, reform Ring Camp, if you will. Right. I'm I like that. I'm hyped as a WXW fan. I'm very hyped and excited to see this potentially happen. <laughs> And I just assume it will just be a case of them just doing like the tag matches and just slowly trying to bring him over, and it'll either be either end with something to do with like Volta coming over to NXT main, or it will be you know some kind of tag title match, and then Factor will probably turn, unless Champa also joins Imperium. That'd be something. That that, that would be something. I'm just thinking to myself, you know what would really send me over the edge is if Timothy Thatcher aligns himself with Malcolm Bivens and then suddenly, oh my god, it's the longest reigning evolved champion. <laughs> oh god. Oh we boy. need more, people need more Malcolm Bivens in their life. Yes. It's like they just stick Malcolm Bivens with these like tomato cans. Like to try. Yes. They probably have a lot of faith in Malcolm Bivens and how good he is, but they just keep putting him with the shit. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. In this share. Fuck off, bootleg AOP. <laughs> yes! 
the thing is is that i hear that and i'm like you know what that's actually really true <laughs> yeah uh uh legado del fantasma beat grizzled young veterans uh after which uh Brizango came out and attacked them afterwards clearing up building their kind of feud and now and then we got the lovely visual of Brizango and msk all celebrating together that's what we all need yep <laughs> it, it was a lovely moment uh next week we'll be getting la knight in ring debut we're all super excited about that we're all huge fans of his we say huge fans of eli drake you said his name wrong <laughs> so l a knight dummy have any of you guys seen like yeah. mike yes yes, yes. That's I'm never gonna think of anything else. Exactly. <laughs> LA I'm super excited though. Big 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 Eli Drake fan. I think he's a he's a game changer for NXT. Or he yeah, should be. Absolutely is. Uh let's get into the, the, the big I guess the other big thing from it though. Balor versus Cole. I mean, we expect these two to put on a fantastic match anyway, and, and they delivered. Oh yeah, in yeah. spades. <laughs> they really delivered. Um I take over caliber main event if you ask me. These two, I think so. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. They've had a few matches, right? I think it's probably their best one that at least in NXT, best one that they have they've had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then a lot of people are kind of seeing Cole versus O'Reilly kind of becoming the next Gargano Champa, if you will. Yeah. I mean, these guys have had absolute wars in their history from Ring of Honor. I mean, they made that. Well, they were one of the main events of Wrestle Kingdom for the ROH Championship, and uh, to see this spill over to NXT, yeah, sign me the hell up. Hell <laughs> like, all right. Anything like their PWG rivalry as well. Oh, oh man, I, I am so excited for that. Right, and they can only get better from that. I feel like and build on that pet those past matches in history. So yeah, I, th- I think this is a thing that'll last at least pro- probably the rest of the year. Honestly, it could mm. at least almost definitely. All right, we're getting into SmackDown. I'm laying down my first thing. I said it like five weeks ago. Reginald's gimmick is that he's a simp. <laughs> he really is. That That's literally his character. Very confused about Reginald. I, I love Reginald for whatever reason. I'm a big Reginald Mark, but uh, <laughs> what are you doing, Reggie? See, like, I, I'm there and I'm like, no, I, like, I get why I get, like, maybe why he's there but literally it's just gone from like one offhand comment that apparently at one point sasha bank kind of liked him and now he's just turned into a simp <laughs> for literally well, uh, anyone that walks <laughs> i mean could you have imagined if makiyito was on smackdown and met Reginald? he'd be chanting simp at him <laughs> <laughs> um that yeah that vignette with nia Jax was <laughs> I don't even know, bro. <laughs> I mean, it was something. I, I, I certainly found the humor in it, for sure. Um, I don't know if that was the desired effect, though. <laughs> I'm all for a Reggie Nia Jax romance, though. I think that's what SmackDown needs. Yeah. Feel like that's what, that's to, definitely what we need. feel like they're trying to recycle an old old story that they had there with a certain Enzo Amore. Potentially. <laughs> Potentially. God, anyone remember that nonsense? <laughs> yeah, because that was so much money. You got to continue that, right? Yeah. 
so we now know that we're getting Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns at Fastlane. That's now locked in. They had the contract signing and everything like that. Uh, personally liked Daniel Bryan just like taunting Reigns and and, uh, and Jey Uso. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it, man. I think their their gimmick is that they just wrestle on every fast lane, right? Pretty much. <laughs> That's been the whole rivalry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah pretty oh, much. Oh Christ! I mean... Fast lane's coming up quickly. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> fast lane's. Oh no, fast lane's coming up. Better stop eating burritos and get back in shape. <laughs> <laughs> um, great little That's setup as well with a special guest enforcer. Yep. Uh, and we'll def- and I'm guessing we'll find out on next week's SmackDown who that will be because uh, Edge is uh, having his. I believe this might be his first match on television. Uh, since uh, I believe back. so. Well, he had uh, that one match on Raw against Randy Orton. Ah, that yeah, but that's, yeah. that's Raw, so no nobody watches. So I don't blame you. Yeah. For <laughs> uh, we had the eight man tag match, which is basically just a collection of really good workers doing what they do. It was just a, a really solid match. Uh, here's my new thing about uh, about Murphy. People have just taken to call it just saying that he does the V-trigger now. <laughs> They're not even trying to hide it. <laughs> People just look at his moves and went, oh, that's just a V-trigger. <laughs> All right, as you yeah. lovingly put it down several episodes ago, and, uh, and a reference for our British contingent, the V-tech trigger. Yeah, the VTech yeah. trigger. Ah, for 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 the right. for the non American for the non Americans, VTech is a brand of children's educational toys. Ah, uh, <laughs> can't, can't say I've ever dabbled. <laughs> I don't blame you. Such nineties nostalgia for for a lot of British kids. That's all. Yeah. What was it? Uh, was it like a? Uh... Like they were like, like micro kind of. It, like, it was like it was like computers, but for kids. Think of like Tiger handheld games, but just on like a lap plastic laptop case. Ah, uh, so that's what kids do now: is they just grab their parents' iPad and yes, like, yeah. essentially the same thing. <laughs> you have to get on their tenders and whatnot. You know, <laughs> the usual. Um. Sami Zayn's documentary keeps unfolding. I'm still hoping that they just decide to show it at Mania. <laughs> it's just like 20 minutes long. It's night one. I want a network <laughs> cut as well, where it's like yeah. half, or, like, or maybe like an hour-long documentary put on the network. Or Peacock. <laughs> for, yeah, yeah for the American. That, that's why he's saving it. He's waiting for the Peacock switch. <laughs> yeah. He's a smart man. He's a smart man. <laughs> You know, they probably will do that. You might be joking, but that, that probably will be a thing that happens. I genuinely hope that they do it. <laughs> I really want to see it. That's the that's the silliest part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then just finally for SmackDown, we had Big E defending and then being attacked by Apollo Crews afterwards. Uh, Apollo, The visual of Apollo Crews standing on the steel steps in the ring and then, like, raising his hands up. Just quite... It was a good visual, honestly. Mm. Apollo Crews rules. He yeah, does. I love everything about of Very everything good. about his character right now. Yeah, it's great. So good, so good. Great promo as well by Big E. Oh yeah. Very impassioned yeah. promo. I was like, whoa, whoa, they're letting him do this. All right then, <laughs> gonna get biblical on your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once he has something, to, once he has a storyline to kind of dig into. I mean, Apollo too. I mean, they both have something. They both have like a storyline now. And so they have like a basis in their promos. So now everything is interesting. Who would have thought? 
Yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you give people motivation. See, you make exactly. you, you make the IC title interesting. See, this is what you this is what you can do with creative freedom, Vince, for the for your guys. <laughs> Who would have thought? I know. Uh, let's move over to AEW and let's do kind of the rundown from uh, Revolution and let, let's let's talk about the the elephant in the room, the damp squib. <laughs> <laughs> The the the, the, puff of, the literal ending in a puff of smoke. The community fireworks show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As I said to you, to you two, uh, when when that had happened, up until that point, Revolution wasn't bad at all. I think it was. A no, very I, I, I I I said overall, disregarding that fear, I put it as like a a, a B plus. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't their best, but it was not their worst either. Absolutely. Which is good. Absolutely. Good. Um highlights from that for me were the uh <clears throat> was uh the uh uh was the Bucks versus the Inner Circle uh tag team match. Really solid yeah. match again from uh from Bucks uh, and the Inner Circle. Um the uh Miro and Kip Sabian versus Breast Friends match. I really liked uh, Adam Page versus Matt Hardy was really good as well. The big money match, yeah. Uh, uh, and the and the uh, the face of the Revolution ladder match, which we saw a debuting Ethan Page. Hell yeah, love Ethan Page. Oh, TNT man. does love Ethan Page. They they put over basketball audio over his matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so good seeing him. And all I can't, I, I mean, I love the the visual of what people saw with the brass ring on top, like up top of the ring. But people were making Sonic memes the whole time on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, look, what else were you going to do when you see a giant metal ring? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it should have just been an actual ring, like a like a finger sized ring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, uh, such a good match and such a good showing from all of the competitors in this ladder match. Um, Lance yeah. Archer taking some big bumps. That was probably my favorite part of the match is Lance Archer just shitting on everybody, just giving everybody choke slams. I think he threw Scorpio through a ladder or something. Yep. Great stuff. I don't know what it is, but some, there's something about big men in a ladder match that just has this very particular energy about it. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you have Penta in that match, who is absolutely insane. And we'll get into yes. why is he is insane. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll get into it. Um, no, but it was fantastic. Though. And like we said, and I've been saying throughout the week, if you're going to try and handle a situation like this where it's very conflicting as well, that was meant to happen or not meant to happen, at least from what I can tell, it wasn't meant to happen. <laughs> if you're going to have a person to cover it up, having Eddie Kingston on tap is probably not the worst option. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, we've said it before, and I'll say it again. Eddie Kingston really deserves to be in the main event in AEW. <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I first saw him in NWA Power, and I know he had been wrestling a long time before that, mm. but ever since I saw him there, I was like, man, this guy deserves to be a star somewhere, like in the more mainstream. And yeah, like you said, that one promo he did on AEW, pretty much, I mean, I, like, obviously I, it would have been ideal for the explosion to actually go off, but like they made chicken salad out of chicken shit for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I feel 100%. like I feel like any technical error they'll have, Tony Khan will just br- take I'll uh, bring Eddie Kingston out and he'll explain it in the best way possible. To send for, technical technical difficulties sent for the Kingston. Ah, uh, but you know what? It's it's a shame for that to happen at the end of that match because up until that point, I thought it was a very very good match. Uh, those those two, like Omega and Moxie, were taking some awful looking bumps yeah. and it looked like it hurt yeah like, i don't envy you properly hurts. so yeah. i mean if you've heard the reports of omega getting very upset with what happened can't say that i blame him especially because i've heard that they were actually they actually used real barbed wire for the for, for uh for that match so i mean something pointy which can't feel good on your body, so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how can you not get furious? You, you have this really great match, and then everyone's just going to remember that dud of an ending. <laughs> so yeah, that's always that's always the problem yeah. with it. See, for me, it's this is AEW's first Brock Lesnar shooting star press moment. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're bound to have one at some point. So. <laughs> yeah, it was an, it was inevitable it was going to happen. Moving on though to the rest of Dynamite, I want to talk about the Cody <laughs> and Pentagon Junior promo. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing to talk about, as, isn't it? Surely. As, as first off, I try to say I I really appreciate the detail of them letting people do promos in their native language. Mm. Yeah. It's a small thing, but I don't I don't know why some companies are so fervently against it. <laughs> But second of all, why was the person he got from the announce the Spanish announce desk so excited about saying what he was saying? Because <laughs> they were just straight up threats of violence, and he's just like Penta says, "If you do this, he's gonna kill you." With like a smile on his face, I'm like, should I be worried for him? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like there was genuine venom behind it. <laughs> this this is an announced this is an announced no who. Definitely loves just being the mouth of Sauron there. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Somewhere in AAA, Conan's going, excellent. They said I <laughs> they sent the, <laughs> the translator I sent for them. Yeah, like the translator had more venom for Cody than Pentagon did. It's like, what did, what did it's like we got to the we got to the final line of it, which was Penta saying he's gonna break Cody's arm so bad he won't be able to hold his newborn child. <laughs> I genuinely translator say that. So the translator said it. I bet you Penta said, "I can't wait for your baby to be born. I hope you have a very healthy life." (laughs) Congratulations! Because it's it's the thing of like Penta going over and whispering it to him, and then the announcer saying, "But when he's saying it, the announcer has like a smile on his face, (laughs) like he's Uh, excited about saying it." I'm like, bro, do we need to be? Do we need to sort check this guy out? Or (laughs) my favorite part was he whispered in his ear for like. A second and a half, and then the translator went on and spoke for like <laughs> ten yeah. seconds. That was like a bad Japanese move. Movie. <laughs> that that dude was definitely going off script there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, definitely going into business for himself. Uh, no, it was it was it was, it was so weird. So weird, exactly. but ultimately one of the best moments from Dynamite. Oh, it worked! It worked amazingly. It worked perfectly. I mean, Pentagon in a suit can't go wrong with that oh wait we spent the last week talking about the matter of luchadors in suits drip. yes drip. It's just drip it's Infinite. just nothing but drip i think i need to wear a mask and i'll, I'll probably look better with a suit yeah 
My actual uh, wedding day, guys. I'll be wearing a lucha mask. Yeah, one hundred percent. Honestly, that doesn't sound like a joke. Knowing you, Sam. <laughs> I'm just going Sierra Vieira as I'm walking down the aisle. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. This is not what I'm here for. Gosh, I'm so sorry. It... I take the mask off. I just got face paint all over me. <laughs> you, they're, just, they're just there, and they go, "You may now kiss the bride." And you just pop a zero miedo, and then put your put your to be wife through a table. <laughs> Break her arm. Just bang. Uh, going over to just uh, more general news now. Um, as we have it reported, and as was then deleted by WWE. <laughs> Uh, on a report cut trying to cover it, which apparently was one about debunking the statement, but it basically just said WWE has really has released Andrade. So as far as we know, we don't actually know what the situation is, but it seems like he might be on his way out. What we do know is that a request to move down to NXT was rejected. Yeah, that was that was my like high hopes that when he took WWE out of his handle or whatever that. That was a sign he'd maybe go to NXT, even mm-hmm. though obviously still under WWE. But that that was my optimism talking. But uh, yeah, man, it's unfortunate if true. It's sure. it's sad for such an incredible talent as Andrade to be stuck in a position. I heard today that he hasn't been on TV for five months. Nope, hasn't been. Not since the draft, at least. I, I would have guessed longer because the last thing I remember him doing was like after WrestleMania when he was kind of having a mini feud with Drew. Yeah, the last like thing I remember. I remember him doing, it was it was one of those really random side feuds that they just occasionally had on Raw before they started pivoting back to Alistair Black and Murphy. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it was like it was like him and Garza. Well, they were a team, yeah. but then they like had some dissension, and then they were yeah, a team and then and, and then they... like they disappeared along with Zelina Vega for right. ages. And then and Angel Garza came back like last month just to drop out to people. Oh, God. Garza is like, I feel like Angel Garza is what people think Andrade is. So I think I think Angel Garza has like the charisma mm. that Andrade might not have, at least in my opinion. But uh, yeah, either way, I think that faction with them and Zelina, that had so much potential too. And they yeah. just, Oh, that had so much weight to it. Just let it dribble off. I uh, just... Annoying as well, considering uh, Andrade was the founder and leader of uh, Los Ingobernables up in CMLL. Yeah. So it's like, oh, God, if you just give him a chance, he could have just taken it and become one of the best factions in your company. Yeah. Can't have that, though. Oh, can't have too much of a good thing in uh, WWE. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll just throw the question out there. I, You know, where would you want to see Andrade go? Mm, I... I... New Japan. I I think you'd do gangbusters in New Japan. Yeah. I agree. I'd agree with that. I mean, core cool, man. You know, evil with evil buggering off to Bullet Club and not doing much of anything at all. What 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 way to bolster the ranks of LIJ <laughs> than bringing in La yeah. Sombra? I mm. think uh, either New Japan or MLW. I think it would also be a good fit for him. MLW yeah. would be yeah. a really good shout as well. Yeah. Um, I think that really complements his style too. Yeah, I, it's funny you. It's funny you say style. The reason I chose New Japan was just like, who can match his drip? 
<laughs> Sonada. Oh god. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's all I want. I mean, frankly, all I want is just like a New Japan fashion show, which I would watch religiously. That's understandable. <laughs> just just straight up. Out in heels. <laughs> it's all it is. It's just Naito, Okada, Tanahashi, and Sonada just walking like yeah. back and forth on the catwalk again. And again. I just, I, I want, I want. Where is my New Japan gala? Where is it? Can we get, can we get a sock check with Minoru Suzuki? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's on Roku, right? That's going to be the weekly show. It's going to be a fashion show. Damn. Yes. There it is. See. All right, who has, who, and he who, shall has, receive. who has the links to Bushi Road with pitching this? Kind of make some calls, guys. Yeah. Um, just quickly, though, the final thing is that uh, WWE has reached into some some trademark trouble uh, over the use of the Dean Ambrose trademark, be it that John Moxley is still alive and still performing. Uh, and so you know, selling and marketing materials that may feature him is is not is explicitly not allowed except without his permission, which he hasn't given to WWE. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> is this like merch that they're selling? Uh it's merch, but any anything where he might still be featured in. So if you, there are like a couple like WWE mobile games and stuff that still have oh, okay. him in as Dean Ambrose and stuff. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> And they've just they just haven't removed him or anything. Who I is... like the thought of John Moxley just avidly playing WWE mobile games, like being big fit, like the super card and he sees him. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <sighs> but with that though, we are done with the news. Excellent, excellent. So recommendation corner, not only for the Wendy's training video, but also <laughs> the Apron Bump podcast. Real as as stated bloody good podcast and you can find it pretty much anywhere in the in the internet as well as youtube so no yes, highly sorry. cubs highly recommended i have a lot of fun i recently listened to the uh uh the halloween havoc episode oh so yeah good. so good yeah i appreciate it i appreciate it <laughs> but with that it is time to head on to this main portion of the episode lucha underground Whew. lucha things Big lucha things. Good lucha things. <laughs> so a brief history before we get in, before I get into my first question for everyone. So January 2014, it was confirmed by Mark Burnett, producer, British producer, and uh, of, of MGM. Uh, he is most famous for producing and creating The Apprentice and Survivor. <laughs> Partners with famed film director Robert Rodriguez and his television network El Rey to produce a weekly hour-long pro wrestling series. It would be affiliated at the beginning with AAA, and in July of 2014 would be uh, tentatively titled Lucha Uprising, before officially being announced as Lucha Underground in August, with Blue Demon Jr., Pentagon Jr., Sexy Star, Phoenix, and Drago joining the cast. It was going to be narrated and commentated by Matt Stryker and Vampiro, and began filming in September in California, with its premiere in October 29th, 2014, on the L Ray Network, where it would air on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. ET, and in uh, <clears throat> and in Mexico in November on Unimas, where it would air on Saturdays at 4 p.m. 
So, unlike most promotions, this was very much more taking a lot of inspiration from film and television series. It would be episodic from one episode to the next and uh, culminate in a season finale known as Ultima Lucha. So, first question I pose to the floor of everyone. What are some of your favourite elements from Lucha Underground that really set it apart from your atypical wrestling promotion, WWE, TNA, etc., etc.? I think, you know, just like visually, it looked beautiful. Like the way it was shot, um, the, the camera work, but also the cutscenes. I like how they really just kind of sat in with how, you know, it was shot, like you said, like a like a TV show, like mm-hmm. a drama, like an action movie or something like that. And it was shot, they embraced the uh, absurdity of it, but yes. it, was, it was in a way that it was, it made sense, at least in the beginning. And like the stuff that would happen outside of the ring, the commentators weren't involved in, the people in the ring weren't involved in. So I like how they structured all their shows with the cutscenes and the and the and the ring work intertwined like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that really um set it apart, and I feel like a lot of companies have really played catch up on, is its cinematic vignettes and promos. Right. Uh, mm. That really kind of that that were re- a big integral part of, of the show because it's it was setting up a match or it was setting up a storyline development for later down uh, this uh, in the season. It just it was so vastly different to how um, the WWE or TNA or Ring of Honor were like progressing storylines. It didn't take all place in the ring. It was taking place outside of the ring. It was taking place, you know, within dark, dingy parts of California or like of all this fight club of Lucha Underground. Uh, You could definitely see the Robert Rodriguez influence in each and every promo. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Like, I was was really hoping for Antonio Banderas to make at least a cameo appearance (laughs) in one episode. Yo, that was season five. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I think I, one thing that I really enjoyed about it, and it kind of plays into that kind of different style of presentation, uh, and it's a thing I've noticed with Lucha as I've kind of watched it and kind of tried to learn more about the fan culture, but in Lucha there's a very specific suspension of disbelief. Right. And so it is very much like you're doing feats, you know, physical feats for the sake of entertainment. Compared like to like, yeah. you know, like WWE, where it's kind of presented as a sport contest, mm. right? Like, there's still elements of that, but I like how Lucha Underground was just like, no, we're just gonna go all in on it. Yeah, yeah, Lucha is all about. It's more like presenting a performance <laughs> rather than trying to present a reality-based kind of competition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really yeah. goes into that legacy of what Lucha is all about, which these guys are are pretty much folk heroes or superheroes in in the most literal sense at times especially with yeah and then yeah. when you when you have when you have that idea and then you combine it pretty much into the context of treating it like a tv show there's so mm. much stuff that you can do and it doesn't necessarily have to make the logical sense yeah <laughs> I, I that is something that um so I, I, as always, am the one guy who hasn't actually watched Lucha Underground. <laughs> I am that one guy. But I do, from the bits and pieces that I saw, I just because you guys are 
know me on the podcast by now, I do love the more heightened stuff when it comes to wrestling. So the idea of a wrestling show just going full on, like we're, we, we're just going to do this as an actual show. Yeah, it's like when you exist in the bounds of TV or film, there's stuff that you can do that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do if you were in the bounds of a wrestling show. Yeah. Right. Murder, coming back from the dead. Yeah. Um, Aztec <laughs> medallions. <laughs> sexy, sexy star winning matches. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, how true is that? Oh, that <laughs> sexy star being on the show at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because I started watching Lucha Underground when I was living with a friend of mine. And when I would watch it, like in the living room, he would get like sucked into it, like in, in a way more so than if I was watching WWE or something. Yeah. Like I think that's a lot that like a casual viewer can see this and be as captivated as like a, a strong wrestling fan like we are. Yeah. I think that goes to how well it was shot, how well it was structured, the stories, the elements, all those elements of it. Yeah, it really blows my mind when I think about it. But at the same time, I'm not surprised one bit that it became quite. Um, successful when it was brought over uh, and put onto Netflix. Um, And not just from hardcore wrestling fans, a casual audience saw it and was really kind of really enjoying uh, the the show itself. Because I think think the same thing applies as uh, applies in, in a slightly different way, but um, it's like a lot of people didn't think that Glow would get the reception that it did. Mm. Yeah. But again, I think it kind of crosses that bound where it's like you don't have to necessarily be a wrestling fan you can just enjoy it for the sake of the visuals and the story and let me just say i one thing i love about the episodic format is that it makes it so easy to follow stuff yes right. <laughs> see I Vince, love, you don't yeah. need three hours every week <laughs> <laughs> well i i asked this like a while ago on twitter but do you think like this kind of like model of putting like an entire season of wrestling on some sort of platform do you think that would work like nowadays yeah actually yeah that's a point when did lucha underground like fully when was it around like like 2014 to 2019 right that's kind of it's kind of weird that it didn't because it's right slap bang in in the beginning of the streaming era yeah yeah well, yeah, there, 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 there's more bit. There's more bits to talk about, like how it had difficulty with management and mm. talent relations got very strained over the over the contracts. Mm. Um, um, but like I said, I think there's huge merit to that format. Mm. Of course, I think it. In, I think it, or at least with the way wrestling is now, it entails you having to commit to like a certain structure or a certain idea. Mm. I don't know that if you were, you know, doing the more American style sports broadcast that you would be able to get away with saying this is episode one of it. Right. But if yeah. you if you presented it in the same way that Lucha Underground did, where you're kind of saying this is more a TV show that involves wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. You could you could you could do that. Yeah, it didn't feel out of place with Lucha Underground. Like, it made sense that this was, like, an episodic kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, if, like, a company like, I don't know, like, MLW, for example, or some, like, smaller independent company would do that, like, in the same way, I think that'd be an interesting thing to kind of separate them apart from what WWE and AEW were doing. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely think there's, I definitely think there's there's merit in, in someone trying this idea again. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, because, um, again, it's kind of in, in a similar vein. Um, here's two random ones that might that um, came up when I was talking to other people. Um, I was talking to the guys from the Stranger Rings podcast about Wrestling Society X. <laughs> oh, man. And how that was kind of proto-format of, like, an idea of having episodic wrestling shows um and then i recently got told about a promotion called makai in japan which is kind of like a mix of wrestling and theater yeah <laughs> it's a small company right but um they're kind of like it's kind of that idea of like it's almost like a soap opera that has wrestling in it rather than mm. it is a wrestling show yeah yeah Ah, oh, man, I think talking about all this and we talking about all uh, about it, uh, about the show itself, I think the saddest part for us uh, as as uh, British fans, it never saw distribution in this country. No, not at all. Really? Not got, at it all. It got the main European territories of France and Germany, never got UK distribution, which surprised the heck out of me. Uh, and a- it was very disappointing to me when I first saw it and was looking at highlights, so... Uh, us re- hardcore wrestling fans had to do the thing we do best, especially in this country, and that's uh, find ways around that. <laughs> <laughs> online rips. Oh, online. <laughs> oh, even though that is that show was made for like a 10 p.m. Channel 4. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sounding great. <laughs> Damn it to hell. Alrighty, so how I usually like to do these things when we've talked about promotions in the past is I usually like to go through like history and kind of go through a timeline from this one but because lucha underground was so kind of really different to most wrestling companies that run that have have been running i'm going to do things a little differently so i'm going to go from each season and we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments and our favorite matches and we're going to start with season one very good place to start sounds like a good place (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going to start myself. One of my favourite matches, kind of like very early on in season one, was the uh, the very first Aztec Warfare match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Aztec Warfare was their equivalent of the Rumble, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, a very very unique take on a battle royal slash Rumble in that you didn't actually have to. Uh, it wasn't an over the top rope uh, stipulation. It was a yeah, pin was... forward submission uh, stipulation. Yeah, really interesting concept because you could you could take that as like, oh man, well, nineteen people are gonna lose in one episode, but it's, yeah. they, they they made it work somehow because it like it, it would last an entire episode, so it didn't feel like a rushed thing. Yeah, like yeah, be. I really appreciated that they didn't have they they weren't gonna try and cram free matches on top of a battle royal or right. rumble yeah, yeah. in one episode. They meant to go make it go the whole episode, and I. See you, so much. you. You hear that? Those indie independent promotions. <laughs> you don't need a battle royale and then three other matches on a card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this was the one where I believe the first one was won by Prince uh, Puma. Yes, sir. I wonder what ever happened to that guy. It's cool. <laughs> I heard he's bouncing around in some places. <laughs> he's bouncing. He's bumping. <laughs> 
Um, oh, another one. I What I really liked, one of my favourite things uh, from season one, was the kind of little rivalry between uh, Prince Puma and uh, one Johnny Mundo, who was then known as Johnny Nitro, or Johnny Impact, or Johnny whatever promotion he's working that night. I was going to say, can we, can we just take a point to mention how John Morrison's gimmick is just whatever company he's in? <laughs> he's exactly the same. He never changes his look. He's just He just changes his name. <laughs> I mean, if it ain't broke... That's what I mean. I love it, though. He's, he's, he's at, what, not at what point are you just Johnny? Yeah, <laughs> just, just Johnny with question marks after it. I'm surprised he hasn't changed his name to like Johnny E yet. Oh god, Because no. if I remember rightly, the the whole reason why he was called Nitro is because he was Eric Bischoff's protege, and he believe for the a, like a little part uh, of him beginning, he actually came out to the Monday Night Nitro theme. Did Wouldn't really? surprise me. Yeah, That's hilarious. <laughs> One way to use the intellectual property when Vince buys it. Eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, great little rivalry they had through season one, and I believe this season they had a really solid Iron Man match. Uh, uh, I believe so. Yes, all, all night long, isn't that what they call? Or was, was yeah, it was the all, night, all long night long match. Oh, yeah, great match, great spots from the pair of them. And I was watching back on some of the uh, some of the like little clips and highlights, as well as a couple of the matches that they'd had through season one. God, man, they worked so well together, and it surprises the heck out of me how uh, how they haven't been able to cross paths in WWE yet. It really, yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. You yeah, think it... you think they would have at least in a Royal Rumble? Exactly. Exactly. Because they could do okay. some crazy stuff where they're like both hanging on like the barricade or something. <laughs> That's how WWE uses lucha wrestlers. Is yes. Barricades and hope they stick. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna start with with our big guest Rick? Hard. Uh, what are some of your favorite? Well, you could start with Big Rick. What are some of your favorite moments? <laughs> big Rick from uh, season one of Lucha. This Dead? is gonna, this is definitely something that needs to be explained to me. Big what Rick. The hell is- yeah. Oh, oh Big Rick was Ezekiel Jackson. Oh god. <laughs> well, you see, he's Rick, but also, but also, he's big. <laughs> My favorite part about him was the sweatshirt shorts. Oh, oh god. My guy yes. looked like he just came from doing reps at the gym. Yeah, like they just went to a gym and found somebody vaguely big and was like, "Hey, you want to wrestle for a little bit?" So you don't bore. But yeah, season one, man, like, the, honestly, the highlight for me was the trio's title. Oh, yes. My, ap- yeah, my absolute it, favorite. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I mean, we'll get into it. It, it kind of, like, kind of faded in the last few seasons. Mm. But the whole buildup with uh, Angelico, Son of Havoc, and Ivelisse, and them kind of culminating into winning those titles, I thought was, like, that was the first, like, storyline and, like, so- someone winning a match that, like, really sucked me in. And like really made me invested in it. Yeah, it there, gave... there's something enjoyable about it because it's like the whole thing of like they hate each other at the start. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know it's a pretty like standard kind of storyline, but the way it was executed and just like you know the atmosphere of Lucha Underground, the commentary, like how everything kind of pieced together, really made it a great moment. It did give us one of our one of the most iconic moments in oh, Underground history yes. as well. So it? good. Fucking Angelico yeets himself off the top of the office. Insane. 
<laughs> By the way, yeah. side note, I love the office being just like ringside. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. People would get like thrown through the window and Dario was like, what the hell, man? <laughs> just, <laughs> like, Come on, man. I just had that replaced. <laughs> he like, opens the door, walks out, looks at the rings, like, oh, shakes his finger and walks back in. <laughs> See, that's an authority figure I can get behind. Love it. Really Look, I'll be I'll be here to say Dario Cueto was a fantastic authority oh, figure. So good. Like, like he absolutely was a movie villain. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, I absolutely loved. I absolutely loved him. I thought he was great. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't seen him in like more. I mean, maybe he's doing acting somewhere. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, don't he know. might be doing acting, or he might be doing something with like AAA or CMLL. Right. Yeah. He but, should be because that's his talented. Yeah. But uh, oh god, yeah. That whole that whole progression, that whole character arc of those three, was just one of my favorite, like the favorite. <laughs> moments and yeah. matches from uh from season one for sure uh dan some of your favorite matches and moments from season one uh yeah so one of my favorite matches from season one just one of the first ones i mentioned uh was the mac versus cage oh yes uh if not just for the ending spot where cage stomps mac's head through a cinder block <laughs> <laughs> uh, on top of the office i might add <laughs> why wouldn't it be <laughs> I, there's some, there's just something really amazing about it it's also just two big guys who are able to do a bunch of really crazy stuff because yeah. there's things like where like cage just decides to do a dive to the outside and it looks and he literally just tosses himself over the top <laughs> rope yeah <clears throat> uh honestly though my two my two big mentions uh have to be the aerostar versus drago series of five yeah it's yeah. basically just two really good luchadors. You can do a bunch of really crazy stuff uh, being allowed to operate on full cylinders. <laughs> um, and this is just to say, for anyone who hasn't seen either of them, please do. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. They just kind of, It's just kind of a, a matter of them trying to one-up each other. And the thing is, a lot of the matches aren't that long. <laughs> mm. yeah, like the majority I mean... of the series of five matches aren't even 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because yeah, it's like forty-five minute episodes, and there's like th four or five matches on each show. So it's like, and plus with the cutscenes and storyline elements to that. But yeah, they, they don't feel too short though when you're watching them. Though no, they exactly. they feel they feel really well paced, yeah. especially in season one. Um, tagging onto that is then also the Aerostar, Drago, and Phoenix versus Worldwide Underground. So that was um, Johnny Mundo, PJ Black. And I can't remember the third member. Jack, Jack Evans. Evans. Jack Evans. Uh, <laughs> and again, it's just a bunch of guys who are really good at doing high-flying athletic stuff against each other. Yes. Aerostar just goes crazy in it, but that's just <laughs> yeah. Aerostar. I feel like Aerostar peaked like, at the bookends of Lucha yeah. Underground. Yeah. Like, um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then just finally, because I feel like I have to mention it... Uh, Milton Muertes versus Prince Puma in Ultima Lucha Uno. Oh, Absolute gosh, yes. fucking war. Oh, gosh, yes. I'm glad there's, there's something about the visual of Prince Puma hitting a 630 while Milton Muertes is just lying in bunches of, like, table rubble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, he go, he, like, he's there psyching himself up to hit it, and it, like, cuts down to Milton Muertes on the floor, and there's just, like, table legs 
<laughs> and just like a broken chair somewhere near him. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Mil Muertes was like one of my favorite as far as like standouts go in season one. He was probably one of my oh, favorite. He, yeah. he was one of my favorite people that I got introduced to through yeah, Lucha yeah. Underground. Speaking of one of my favorite people and from Ultima Lucha, uh, Pentagon Dark versus Vampiro in a Sierra Miedo no DQ match. Oh, that match is violent as all. <laughs> see, see, because this weird, this match is really weird. Because especially when I tell other people I like it, they're like, "Why do you like it so much?" And I'm like, "Because it it fits so well both into Pentagon's character, but also in terms of doing like the swerve that they've wanted to." Yes. Right. Right. Because like people serve me are like it's just Pentagon beating up an old man, <laughs> <laughs> and effectively that is the premise of the match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like have but then having that and then having the reveal that like it was Vampiro, just seems like so well put together to me. Yeah. Even though apparently it wasn't meant to be Vampiro, it was meant to be someone else. But he didn't want to take the bumps. Mm. Yeah, I actually listened to. Uh... Chris Van Fleet, his interview with Vampiro, and Vamp basically alluded to basically nobody wanted to work with Penta at that point for whatever reason. I guess he was adjusting to like working for an American audience or at least like non Mexican audience. So it was like hard to find people to want to work with Penta, but obviously he kind of fell into it in the later seasons. But yeah, I think that's a big part of why that match happened in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like people, I feel like that was like a very much a turning point for Penta um going forward in lucha underground and really i think solidified him as a main event player or one of the main players in that show uh, i want to give a special shout out as well to the gift of the gods seven way match at Ultimate yes lucha. that was really really i love brilliantly set up that gift of the gods um match and leading up of course the the championship uh, but yo, uh, Phoenix, Aerostar, Bengala, Big Rick, Jack Evans, King Kuano, and Sexy Star all in that match, and yeah, yeah, they 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 really did have a very good seven yeah. way. That was one where Phoenix won, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the Gift of the Gods title. I think that because when uh Cueto like introduced it, he kind of like poked fun, he poked fun at it as it it was like kind of a rip off of Money in the Bank. But I love the added element of people having to win medallions to yes. compete for it and that you have to insert the medallions into the yeah belt. it's like you have yeah. to get the medallions to put them together to make the belt yeah like, like yeah <laughs> i mean that it's is like something easy, straight out awesome. that is something straight out of a video game and i love it for, really? for it being like that absolutely I mean, yeah. that's just part of the plot of dragon ball <laughs> <laughs> damn Fine you're line. right <laughs> so, Reardon, as the casual viewer and a person who's only been able to see like little clips and highlights, mm. from what we've talked about, does anything sound familiar from that? And if so, was there is there anything from that season one that you enjoyed watching? Honestly, I just enjoyed knowing that something like Lucha Underground existed. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you've seen the Angelico jumping from the office to the ring spot. Yes, I, I, oh, I, I saw Can that. I just say, um, for the longest time, I for some reason, I don't know why, I always thought that was Jack Evans that did that. <laughs> that's made of tomato. 
<laughs> I've had the, I actually had the funny story. I actually had the pleasure of meeting Angelico one time when he was touring um, England for Progress, and I said to him, "Can you just please be careful and not jump off the like the lighting rig or anything?" And he he laughed and took it in good stead. He said, "No, seriously, I'm not, I'm not doing that again after I busted my legs doing that." I was gonna say, was it was it like the he hated the idea of doing that? Yes, like he, he never really... wanted to do it, but they were just like, "You're gonna do it." Oh, goddamn pal you're gonna oh wait wrong company <laughs> but uh, no no uh so much fun that's first season and quite a quite a range draw for the l ray network um i think i kind of drew in uh let me just see ratings were yeah it's first episode drew in a uh 130 views and culminated with nearly 200 000, uh viewers uh, which is wow. which is insane, especially yeah. for a very. I think El Rey literally before um, Lucha Underground had premiered had just started running in America. Correct me right. if I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I was about to say I'd love to see the ratings of other shows on that network. Yeah, I, I, can't, I don't know about you guys, but I can't name one more show that's on that network. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, the only thing the El Rey network has is Lucha Underground. To me, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might as well. Okay, that leads us into season two. Of course, it gets renewed because how much of a resounding success it was for the El Rey Network. And that premieres in uh, January 27th of 2016. This, ep- I believe, this went on for, yeah, 26 episodes. So not hitting what would, I guess, would be called syndication just yet. That would come a little bit later. Um, but no, really really solid season as well of course headlined by the announcement of Rey Mysterio making his appearance in Lucha Underground which was a very big deal considering as well I believe that Conan had cut ties with Lucha Underground and uh, yeah. that uh, yeah, after AAA, season one. Uh, AAA was no more but uh, no great get i believe for lucha underground i felt for that season oh, to fantastic get, get for Rey mysterio i mean it's Rey mysterio <laughs> yeah he's a pretty good wrestler i hear huh <laughs> except when he's not injuring his uh, left knee five times but <laughs> i digress um so no that that was one of my favorite moments from season two was seeing that little promo package i believe it was like the the hype trailer for season two and then the ending of seeing Rey mysterio and that was insane <laughs> uh, but no this season would see i believe the first match between prince puma and pentagon jr yep bloody good match that was yeah it's a very good match. i mean how could you go wrong they're like the two probably most synonymous probably like penta phoenix and puma are probably the three phases of the company absolutely like, yeah as of this day yeah uh no fantastic match this was um and it may surprise the hell out of me that these guys hadn't met beforehand really i believe this would this would have been ricochet and penta's very first meeting in wrestling yeah because i mean i'm just trying to think about where they would have been and chances are before this ricochet would have been in japan yeah 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 because he was wrestling in japan a little bit in the uk and america yeah. I'm sure he wrestled in Mexico at some point too, but I guess he probably did. Yeah. But yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, this season also, uh, <laughs> uh, the debut of Mantaza Cueto, who was uh, fun fact is Jeff Cobb. Yes. 
It took me it's, a while to figure that out, by the way. It's so yeah. funny to me going back and I, I constantly being like, oh man, I wonder who that is. And I go back to it now and I'm like, oh, that's incredibly obviously Jeff Cobb. Right, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the, well, well, we'll get to it, but the last match he had, it's like, yeah, it's very much Jeff Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember going back to it and I was like, oh shit, he's in a tour of the islands. Oh, wait. <laughs> 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 ah. <laughs> Um, another one of our uh, two more favourite matches of mine from season two, the the Gift of the Gods ladder match from episode six. Mm, uh, King Kwano right. had just won the championship from Phoenix, I believe. Um, oh man, and he goes up against Phoenix for the rematch in a ladder match, which was oh, that was a match and a half. Uh, nice. Phoenix being Phoenix, he's just oh man. I know a lot of people, you know, talk about Penta. So, I mean, I'm fair play. Penta is a, a phenomenal luchador, but man, Phoenix is oh, it's just as phenomenal, just as phenomenal. Yeah. I think like a lot of people, I, I, I'm guessing a more casual audience noticed that when he had that match against Kenny Omega in AEW. Right, so right. good. Such... I mean, he makes the he makes the impossible seem easy. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Uh, no, great ladder match there, and of course. Uh, one of my favourite matches is the Trio's ladder match from episode 8, uh, which was Absolutely. Son of Lisa and Angelico versus the Disciples of Death. Uh, but again, Angelico being Angelico, decided to jump from the office and this time drop kick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep ramping it up. Next you gotta hang from the rafters and... <laughs> If it, if it they just install a zip line. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, no! Then he would be suicide from TNA. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give Tony Khan ideas. <laughs> but no, uh, I feel like the ruling from that is like if it's making Matt Striker pop huge, then I'm guessing that that that, that Helico had to keep doing. It. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is an aside thing. Can I give a shout out though to the announced team of Matt Striker and Vampiro? Because I thought they were pretty good. Absolutely. Mm. I, I did not like them like in the first few episodes. Mm. Um, but once they like established some chemistry, it was like Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought they were, I thought they were I, fa- I, I thought they were I, fantastic. I can't imagine like I do wonder because it's like it is a lot more heavily scripted what the dialogue kind of thinking was with, with the announcers. You know what I mean? It, it's kinda hard to like explain it outside of context because a lot of it is just them calling what's happening in the ring Mm. but a lot of it as well is just kind of you know them giving descriptions and making references to other things Mm. Mm. yeah they're kind of there to keep the continuity as much as anything yeah yeah it was such a funny juxtaposition because you had matt striker who is clearly like a very intelligent guy, very studied. He does his research on everything. And then you have Vampiro who just kind of walks in. <laughs> like, obviously, he knows what he's talking about, but it's very clear that he doesn't script anything. <laughs> I feel like oh, yeah. Vampiro definitely was the Don West to Matt Stryker's Mike Tanay. <laughs> yes, that is so <laughs> accurate. I cannot believe it. Like, like, to I be love- fair, Vampiro, Vampiro in, a, in a weird way, reminded me of when Taz was on TNA commentary. Yes. <laughs> Although, like, uh, comp- comparing uh, comparing those three, Vampiro is the only commentator I know who would get up from the desk and start running around the ring just because he was popped so hard <laughs> by a certain move. 
Man, now I want season five, and I want Don West to be the commentator. Yes. <laughs> God, good lord! Because it's, like, it's, it's like one of my favorite, one of my favorite things about the commentary is like sometimes Matt Stryker would like reference stuff, and then Vampire would just be like, "I don't know who that is." Right. <laughs> <laughs> he would do little things like somebody would do a lung blower, and he would be like, "Oh, he broke the code there." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Sometimes it'd be less subtle when it, when Mac would do a stunner and strike him back on. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, popping the only truest hardcore of marks in wrestling was Mac Striker. It literally <laughs> yeah. Out. Okay, hard. What are some of your favorite moments and matches from season two? Yeah, season two. That was uh, Puma versus Ray, right? That season. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. That was Ultima Lucha, right? Yeah, that mm. was. As far as matches go, that was definitely the standout for me. Um, but just in general, like the rise of Penta, because yeah. I feel like it took a while to really find his foot, his footing. Um, but once he had the thing with Vampiro, that really established him as like a monster, um, like a really dark. Did he start going by Pentagon Dark in season two? Or I believe uh, yes. Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, so Pentagon Dark, man, that was like my favorite, and his whole the thing when he like attacked Montanza. Um, whenever that happens, like, but yeah, the rise of Penta was probably my favorite thing mm-hmm. in that season. I think that was peak Pentagon. Um, but then obviously, yeah, Puma versus Ray. Like, how could you go wrong with that? Yeah. Oh, that match, man. A lot of people I felt before then in 2016 were probably under the impression, myself included, I'll, I'll admit it, that Ray may have lost a step or two, you know, getting right. older with age. But I really felt with that match, a lot of people went... Oh crap! No, he's actually still got it. And then some. <laughs> I think. Oh, God, remind yeah. me. This is this was pre-surgery, right? This before he like... had that. Before Ray got that miracle surgery, and suddenly he was five. His career was like five. Oh, and five he started years popping out Canadian destroyers yes. like every two seconds. Yeah. yeah. Is that what happened? Did he get like stem cells or something? He got, I think it was like, what happened? He like, he went, he left WWE, went to Lucha Underground, got that stem cell like surgery or whatever, and then was suddenly like fucking rejuvenated. Like he in- built like, like a fridge when he came back in WWE. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> built like a fridge and moving like it was 2009. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I mean, even though he was still uh, adopting and still doing the uh, the uh, dang, I'm gonna say it, the Buyaka Buyaka slip and slide. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be doing the MF Penguin slide spot like every <laughs> single match he had the chance to because he finally had he had a singlet on which allowed him to do it. Okay. <laughs> um, oh no! Uh, but no! Oh yeah, that was a great match, and I feel like that would have believed that was the final match of season two as well. Um... So that was a great note to end season two on, if you yeah. ask me. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Dan, what are some of your favorite? Yeah, ones? so some of my favorite ones were. Uh, I think this is another thing that I really appreciate about Lucha Underground, which was um, the way the presentation worked mm. allowed them more flexibility to do intergender matches. Mm. Right. Because uh, again, they weren't necessarily confined by that. What well, I'm gonna say, sense of reality. But if people would bring that up in relation to 
intergender matches, then I feel like you're missing the point of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah. To that point, one of my favorite ones was uh, Taya versus Brian Cage. Yeah, so that was going to be one of the ones I was going to mention because they had a match uh, in season two. Uh, and just having the visual of that yeah. was so yeah. ridiculous to me, but I absolutely loved it. And yeah. I liked how the way they presented it didn't necessarily show. It was like, oh, no, no, she can still hold her own here. Right. Wasn't that Taya's first match, too? I believe so. Yeah. That's what one, a hell of a, that's one hell of a first match to have in your company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the, the funny thing with that match is in the match that came after it was Mil Muertes versus Prince Puma versus Pentagon <laughs> for the Lucha Underground title. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, absolutely kills because it's just three guys who are really good at what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the first two seasons, man. Honestly, because I watched them a few years ago at this point, and a lot of stuff kind of blends together because it was literally just amazing match after amazing match. <laughs> yeah, the mm. first two seasons. But um, no, the the one I want to give a shout out to from this season was the. I can't remember the name they had for it. But it was Matanza versus Milmworth. It's like, like a casket match. Yes. Oh. oh. And there's there's something about it that I they tapped into that I never knew that I wanted, and that was putting the casket in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and having it as a weapon. Yeah. Because it was basically just like a table, but on steroids. It's like right. it, 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 it had the same physics, I believe, as the as the coffin from WWF SmackDown on the PS One, where you could actually literally <laughs> pick it up with with no effort whatsoever and start using it as a chair. Oh my god, I forgot that was in that game. <laughs> but it, it, it was ju- it was just like the visual, because like again, in comparison to a lot of other people, Mil Muertes was big compared to a lot of the other luchadors hmm. but then having him with matanza who was able to just pick him up and just like throw him as he wanted and just do these like really big power moves onto the casket hmm. was just so impressive yeah. and it also has like the one of the to my mind spots i'd probably least like to take which is matanza getting overhead belly to belly into a cask into the casket itself in the corner <laughs> Right, <laughs> I was just like, I would not want to take that because <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it was from, it might have been season three that happened, but I have a very vivid memory that there was a match between Mil Muertes and Phoenix. It was also a casket match, mm, yeah, and it's where Phoenix is about to dive to the outside, and literally Mil Muertes just lifts up the casket, yes. and he just Phoenix dives like straight into it. Yeah, and brutal. it is just one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, but I love it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Mil Muertes was in TNA for a little bit, and he yeah, had he was a similar match with Sting. I want to say was he a Sting or a... no? Wait, no, that was no. It was Sting versus Abyss. I apologize, but it was a casket match with the casket in the ring. If yeah, if memory serves me correct, I believe he he went by Judas Macias. Yes. In TNA, he probably had one of those matches too. I probably just forget. I believe he was he he was working, or he had, his manager was Father James Mitchell as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, do you remember Relic as well? Sorry, I have to bring that up. Yeah, so I remember Relic. About <laughs> hey, fun <laughs> fact: Did you know his name was Kill is Killer backwards? <laughs> oh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> just in case you didn't know. Oh gosh. Uh, it's... 
it's crazy though how he went from Judas Macias to then Bill Wertes. He he got bigger. Like he's big in oh, TNA. He got yeah. ginormous. Couple he's of a big boy. Oh man. Alrighty. That leads us on with very similar ratings numbers from season two. Of course, El Rey Network decide. Oh, you know what? This this needs. I kind of think it needs syndication. So season three happens. A whopping forty episodes that span from twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. Big boy season, but Hell yeah. this brings me to one of my favorite storylines slash matches as well. But I'm going to save that because I know me and Dan really want to talk about this match in particular. So one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, matches in season three to start off was the Rey Mysterio versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. match uh, where the loser leaves Lucha Underground from episode nine, I believe. Um, the reason I like this match, come on, it's Rey Mysterio and Chavo. Both work incredibly well together. They did in WWE, and this match was no different. These guys just, they just get each other so well. Uh, yeah. And in the in like the atmosphere of Lucha Underground, I think it just brings a nice little different edge to it than those matches that they had in uh, in WWE. The one that springs to mind in particular is the is the I Quit match where just Ray's hanging from the uh, from the girder going I quit I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> another match that I really like from this one. The Mac versus Johnny Mundo's Iron Man match from episode twenty. Oh, dude, this this match goes so hard. <laughs> really, really does. Can I just say, I think that Lucha Underground was like the time when John Morrison had perfected whatever the hell he calls his finishing move now. It was <laughs> the end of the world, but Starship uh-huh. Pain, Starship yeah. Pain. God. Man, still he he hits it like five percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he almost always overshoots it. <laughs> I feel like the one time he only ever kind of hit it all right was that I believe it was a cage match he had against Cage. It might have been. Well, he against had one against the actual. What I I had to survive <clears throat> hitting the actual cage, Sam. <laughs> I meant Brian Cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but something about when he was in Lucha Underground just made it hit different. Yeah. It's probably the kicking sound effects added onto it. <laughs> to be uh, fair, we were there talking about stuff that we love, dude. I love the Lucha Underground kick sound effects so much. Yes, oh, great. <laughs> it sounds like it just sounds like they have a mic set up in their boots. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. If you want the true, like a true Guile Sonic Boom sound effect, that's that's the one you got to go for. <laughs> yeah, because this is what I was saying. Because now you know, there's that thing about WWE said they want to stop their wrestlers from doing leg slaps. <laughs> well, why? I don't know. People just get annoyed at it. I guess. Yeah, I've. Who are uh, those people? I don't know. <laughs> Who are these Busted. invisible people? No legged people. They don't exist. Absolute, absolute so, busters. There's like old timers that are like, ah, oh, yeah, you're slapping your leg kind of shit. But it's like, I don't know, man. I don't have a problem with it as long as it's not like too egregious. Like the sound effects add a lot to it. I, I feel think. like, yeah, I feel like Vince may have seen a Young Bucks clip on Ring of on Ring of Honor, maybe, and just saw there was too many slaps and super kicks. It was like, no, oh, I'm not having that anymore. <laughs> 
But uh, all I'm saying is, if they're going to stop them from doing that, can we please just get added in post sound effects for the kicks like Lucha Underground? Yes. I mean, look, they've got the they've got the facilities to do it now. I mean, look, they're not, gonna have, the they're not going to have if an audience. If Lucha Underground can do it on their budget, WWE can. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to see that in WrestleMania. I don't want the reverb at WrestleMania in a stadium just hearing like <laughs> oh, a, like a thunderclap. <laughs> yeah, even the live, even though it's live, just have a guy with a button ready. Kick button guy. <laughs> oh god, don't let it be Kevin Dunn because it'll spam the hell out of, of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would sound like it sound like a DJ remix. <laughs> it need, I need the cameraman to zoom in more as I press the button. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh yes, uh, one of my other favorite matches: Prince Puma versus Pentagon Dark, uh, the Quato Cup final uh, at episode thirty-two. Yeah, great tournament that was as well. But that final again. Those when those two meet, magic happens. Yeah, definitely. I think two of the favorites of a lot of people in Lucha Underground. <laughs> that, uh, that entire Quito Cup was like amazing. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. So so good. Uh, but before I get on to my favorite match, me and Dan are definitely going to talk about hard some of your favorite moments and matches. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like I said, the Quito Cup was probably the highlight for me. Um, leading to the match you just mentioned, uh, Puma versus uh, Penta. Uh, the first half was kind of weird. Honestly, the first half is a little fuzzy to me for whatever reason. Mm. Um, I was a bit underwhelmed with uh, like the worldwide underground and Mundo's title reign. Yeah. Uh, a little too much sexy star, too. When I say a little, <laughs> I mean a lot too much sexy yes. star. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I think that's really what kind of like slowed their momentum a little bit. But I think they finished out uh, really strong hmm. uh, with the Cueto Cup. Like Dante Fox kind of emerging as a big star there. Jeremiah Crane. Um, but if there's like one match that sticks out to me, it's definitely the Hell of War match. Oh, I'm so glad sure. you brought this Let's up. Let's get into it. Let's get into the Hell of War. so good. Please, I, please. One of my favorite storylines, like throughout all like the entirety of lucha underground i was a massive fan of kill shot at this point a uh, massive fan of shane strickland and i feel like he is de he all right real talk i'm gonna shoot off here swerve really does deserve to be the face of nxt <laughs> I he feel. could he could easily be the, the the next face of the cruiserweight division without question and he could probably take that well and beyond into the rest of nxt i loved the character of kill shot being like he's a master marksman in the u.s army and his his identity is unknown but he decides to wrestle in a mask and just be absolutely freaking awesome and so yep. what better way to build a rivalry of a guy like that than bringing in another guy who was in his regiment that he left for dead in combat as <laughs> a pow dancing See, like, fox it's so high drama but i love it <laughs> That is the promos were amazing though. Really. That is you need to go back and watch them. <laughs> that is literally a super villain origin. It really, that is, really what is. what? Like I'm thinking though, like Shane Strickland sold Killshot really well with those promo packages and his matches as well. Yeah, really well. And of course, we talk about the lead up to this, the Hell of War match, which was a three stages of Hell match, which you know. When you talk about three stages of hell, you immediately have to compare it to Triple H versus Stone Cold from No Way Out 2001. This yeah, match this delivered and then some. Yeah. Because <laughs> each each stage, it wasn't like a 
like each stage was like a watered down match. No, each stage was a full on barn burner of a match. Yeah. And God, the glass. Yeah, Even, the know, glass sh- spot. <laughs> sugar glass or whatever it is. It it's pointy. It's jagged. There there was flesh falling off of their bodies. The blood on their back. Like oh, and it was just brutal. Brutal using, for like like using the gimmick being like they ran their gimmicks as well. Using like military hard cases as well as weapons. Yeah. It's yeah. just like I. It's, it's the little touches to that match that make me go. Mwah. Yeah. Yeah, because like the yeah the glass spot always lives with me just because i mean hey it's a glass spot and i love glass in wrestling <laughs> i do not i do I not do not blame you <laughs> i i, I liked it in that one bit with kurt angle and then uh, i never had to see it again all right then, um, <laughs> I, I highly recommend never watching a certain spot where brian cage takes a, a framed picture and smacks over willie mac's head then written <laughs> Oh no, the worst the worst one is the Milne Muertes one. Yes, that one. Where well. fucking swerves out the way and Milne Muertes just runs head first into a oh, pane yeah. of glass. Oh. That that is like the one spot I'm like, no. You could never convince me to just run into glass. <laughs> um, no, but like each moment of this match is just them finding ways to not necessarily ramp it up and like make it crazier, but mm. just kind of keep the same level from the previous one in yeah. a different way because like one of the spots i remember the most um is when he hits the drop kick while dante fox is in is strapped to the gurney yes yeah was like no <laughs> why would you agree to that oh no i forgot i forgot the chair spot <laughs> oh, the chair so i'll spot. try i'll try and explain i'll try and explain this but uh, kill shot tries to do the classic CZW, instead of hitting them, just toss the chair at their face. Uh-huh. He does it. Dante Fox cat- catches it, tries to throw it, fake and fakes out kill shot, and kill shot does like the whole uh, backhand spring. Gets back up, and when he's back up, he just tosses the chair straight <laughs> at his head. It so is brilliant. Yeah. It is a sight to behold, and uh, I would say to most people who haven't seen this match, and especially to Reardon if he's not seen it, find it, whatever, however you can, find it and watch it. It's it's poor man. Have you ever wanted to see a person do a do a Spanish fly off one leg? You what, mate? <laughs> okay, so ba- so basically, uh, they've. It, it's clear that they've got the spot, but they're on either side. They're on like either corner of the ring post, and so they set up. They basically they set up to do a Spanish fly. The thing is, is that Dante Fox is meant to have both feet on the ropes, but he only has one of his feet, so he has to launch off with one foot. It was what an amazing this? recovery, though. No, that's what yeah, that's, 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 that's it's that's genuinely crazy. incredible that he managed to hit it. That and then the uh, the ring post moonsault to kill shot on the ladder, the ladder bridge. Yeah, there's just so much stuff, and, and it's funny because that was night one of Ultima Lucha. Yeah, or, yeah. That's and the, 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 the next night they're in another match. It's like, yeah. geez, guys, take it easy <laughs> on them. Dante Fox knows ring. no bounds. Seriously, Where, what is he doing now? I believe. See, the thing is, I think he's just in small independence. Yeah, um, yeah, he's serving as the head trainer at the moment of the uh, of a wrestling school in Atlanta, Georgia. 
But no, I feel like AR Fox is such. He should uh, he should definitely get much more credit for his work for in CZW. Absolutely, because people forget his time there, and they really shouldn't. Outstanding yeah. talent, both him and Shane Strickland. Oh yes, both of them, absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, but yeah, this season ended with Pentagon Dark defeating Prince Puma to become the Lucha Underground uh, champion after Pentagon had cashed in uh, his Gift of the Gods championship. This would also be the last match for Prince Puma as he would leave Lucha Underground. And as I said, I wonder what ever happened to him. Uh, Again, like I said, I hear he's bouncing around in some places. <laughs> I heard someone took his ring gear and pretended to be Hulk Hogan, but that less, less said about that person, the better. Uh, <laughs> 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 we can just dream about that, you know. <laughs> hey. hey, we're all having fun. <laughs> all right, this then leaves us with the last season. Well, I say quote unquote last season of Lucha Underground. So I heard there were some kind of problems. I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened. There were some problems getting a season four um, off the ground. I wonder if you know a little bit more about this than I do. Hard about about um season four so i heard that they had to relocate and so the set was changed but they also had some like contractual issues with certain wrestlers as well so i believe yeah that i'm not super educated on it but i think that has something to do with how they were preventing wrestlers from competing for other promotions uh mm. in between seasons but considering the seasons are like filmed what at least a year in between right yeah so there was an issue with that and them not be able to work outside of that. Or maybe that's after season four. I don't remember, but that, that could have played a part in, in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I really know. So um, this would, this um, season actually saw them collaborate with impact and would help. And um, they started kind of uh, with a collaborative event with impact wrestling that was streamed on Twitch. I believe it, I believe it was like a, a Lucha underground impact pay-per-view. I believe it. Yeah, I think it might have been shortly after or during WrestleMania week. Right. Um, uh, I think it was maybe the week of Mania. I believe this would have been the debut and subsequent um, win for Penta becoming Impact World Champion as well. Because um, I think because be Pentagon did correct me if I'm wrong did win on his debut match in Impact the World Championship. He did. He did. Did he? Yeah. I, that, that I was, believe he oh. lost it like the next day as well. Yeah, exactly. That sounds about right. That sounds like Impact to me. I mean, Impact's booking at that time was a mess. <laughs> that was definitely like a, a down time for them, for sure. I, 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 I vaguely I'm, remember hearing about that. Because I'm trying mm. to think who he beat, and I'm trying to think, was it Austin Aries? It might I think have been, it was. I believe it was Aries, yeah. Or was it even Johnny, uh, what was he, Johnny Impact? Yeah, because then Johnny Impact beat Austin Aries for the title. I believe that, 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 that was the uh, there was a that, clip of of uh, Johnny hitting the the Starship Pain on Aries. Yeah, and, and then Aries awesome. just standing up and walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember that. <laughs> so time. yeah, yeah. So season four debuts in june of 2018 and with a lot of people that they had that have either left they've been signed by the bigger promotions here and there they state when with this working relationship with impact there are a lot of changing faces not only of course with a new set as well being a lot brighter than it was in the previous three seasons yeah they had the colored ropes 
Yes, the coloured ropes, which I don't think really suited Lucha Underground. If yeah, what was the honest. deal? Like, how hard is it to just replace those ropes with darker? Or was that maybe intentional? I don't know what they were doing. Oh, uh, no. Well, they that? changed it to, like, blue and yellow ropes. So yeah, it just didn't fit. Mm. So this season, we saw the debut of Sammy Guevara. We saw uh, a couple of more people from Impact. Sunny Kiss was also in this season. But, of course, everyone talks about uh, the, the, the greatest signing I think Lucha Underground ever made. Jake Strong. <sighs> the former Jack Swagger. <laughs> Lucha, Lucha Underground. Jack Swagger. That is... I'm going to need context here. <laughs> So the context is is that he you know was after bouncing around. He may have even done his time in MMA at this point, and I guess they treated him as a, like, oh, he'll be a big name to really help us. But I don't know that there's really anyone who's ever looked at Jack. So I want, I want to watch him. <laughs> I mean, uh, that is such an indie-rific name as well, Jake Strong. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a guy who was debuting in the Leisure Centre in in southeast London, sort yeah. of debuting. Yeah. In Did you guys like his uh, his little chant? <laughs> strong, strong, strong. Oh, shut up, ass. I feel like I bet you Roderick Strong was sitting there watching it going, thank God I didn't do that shit. <laughs> I was literally like, wait, there is somebody named Strong, isn't there? I couldn't like think of it. <laughs> but honestly, I don't. Honestly, I really don't have much to say about season four. I've only got, I've got like I mean, there, three there highlights. A, I mean, I mean, is it is it telling from me that I don't have any highlights from season four? <laughs> it's just kind, it's just kind of like various spots and stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me, Aztec Warfare 4, which saw Pentagon Dark winning that, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, Dragon Azteca Jr. and Drago from Episode 2. Yep. And I enjoyed the Penta versus Cage match from Episode 11. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I had I had uh, Dragon Azteca Jr. versus Killshot. Ah, yes. Um, just because I... I just because it has two people I kind of like, even though I don't think it's that great a match, Pentagon versus Hernandez. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, just, it isn't like a match or anything, but one person I want to give a shout out to in this season, Marty Martinez. Yeah. Yes. A real kind of unsung hero of Lucha Underground. <laughs> I believe. Uh, and and he, he's, he's with... Um, well, he's with AEW. I believe he's in training of AEW. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think he's actually yeah, being trained at the moment by Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I feel like the time to put the title on him was season three, though. No, it, well, it absolutely was season three was the time to do it. Yeah. But yeah. I think with season four, they were like, yeah, you know what? We can just do whatever we want. Right. <laughs> it felt like, I don't know. It felt kind of watered down, his character. Yeah, it, it, def it definitely wasn't the same feeling show. And he just won the title and then lost. Didn't he lose it in the first defense that he had? He, he oh, lost. but that was, ba that was basically like the standard for, <laughs> right, for well, season four. Season four, like, and I think it says a lot that you guys don't really have a lot of memories, specific ones at least, is because it all just kind of like, it fell into a formula, I mm. think. Like, it felt very repetitive. It felt like we were seeing a lot of things we've already seen before. Um, 
Yeah, and it just didn't have that. Like, it didn't feel unique, and I feel like that was like the uh, the foundation of Lucha Underground was how unique every episode felt, and how if you would watch it, you would see something you'd never seen before. And season four, it kind of just felt like, like I said, into a, a generic kind of formula to me. Yeah, yeah, I kind of said it. It just felt like it just kind of felt like a, I guess what you'd call like a super indie, but with like a slightly Aztec feeling. Mm. Yeah, it didn't feel like the the people who had the original idea were were really taking charge of it or were really there with it. Yeah, because it I've, I've been to the season. I, for you know, full transparency, I finished it yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I pretty much binged the season over the past like two weeks or so. And uh, I thought it was hilarious seeing, like I think it was the first episode, maybe the second episode, seeing Sammy Guevara and Jake Strong in a faction together. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, foreshadowing to, but that lasted like literally five minutes. But um, yeah, a lot of, you know, Jesse Goddard's uh, Big Bad Steve. Oh, God. The guy, yeah. The, the guy with the pizza. What was his name? Vinny Minchazo or something. Oh, God, yeah. Vinny Massaro. Sorry, that yeah, it was just yeah. <laughs> there were some hits, but a lot of misses. <laughs> yeah, and it all culminated, of course, at, uh, at Ultima Lucha Quattro episode two, the main event: Jake Strong defeating Pentagon Dark for the Lucha Underground oh. Championship. Why? <laughs> Literally, just a, just just you just a why? Now, hard, of all I know the people you... you could pick. Now, hard. I know you did have certain feelings about this when you posted it on Twitter that you'd seen the final episode. Um, do you want to share those feelings? Well, so I've had like something. Like I knew some things happened because, like I said, I just finished it yesterday, and like I knew Penta was champion at some point. I knew Marty beat Penta. I had no idea until I watched it that Jake Strong beat penta to become the last lucha underground champion i saw this and i yelled at my tv <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm sitting alone in my living room and i'm screaming at it well, well not really screaming i'm more laughing if, if nothing else <laughs> yeah. um so jake strong wins the title and then they have all you know like they always do the uh the, the cinematic stuff backstage um he breaks whose ankle does he break backstage somebody gets murdered and then yep. he breaks his ankle you know the, the usual lucha underground stuff um but then he like puts the blood on his hands and he does the strong chant <laughs> so that he has like a handprint on his white dress shirt uh and then he walks out to a limo he gets in the limo with uh who's in there is it's the oh who's the black guy oh, i forget his name i don't even know if they ever said his name honestly but there was uh some mysterious figure in the limo, hidden hidden behind the darkness, and then he's he's talking. He has a cigar, and then he leans forward so that you can see his face. And then he says, "Has anyone else got some bad news for me?" And I, uh, Wade Barrett. I had no idea he had any affiliation with Lucha Underground. God bless Wade Barrett. <laughs> God oh, bless that man. <laughs> fantastic. That alone makes me want season five to see him in Lucha Underground. <laughs> oh, we need it, please. It just, <laughs> and it's just, when you think that, with that ending, it's just so sad to hear what had happened um, with the producers stating that the series had amassed a lot of budget concerns and would require a major reboot. 
on a lot of levels to produce a fifth season. Um, yeah. Which is always, I feel like, is the first nail in the coffin for a show. Um, oh, the most budget concerned, the show is probably going to be axed. I mean, this was conceptualized by the guy who made The Apprentice and Survivor, and those shows, even though they, it, I mean, they were they were on life support by the time they ended. <laughs> <laughs> and Survivor's still going. I, which surprises the hell out of me. I mean, at least Survivor yeah. gave us Jenna Marasca, <laughs> which they gave us one of the worst <laughs> matches in wrestling history. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, which I didn't think about this till just now, but Johnny Mundo was on Survivor. Yes. Well, I guess that's why. I guess mm. there's a tie in there. That makes sense. It's all connected. <laughs> We're connecting the dots. Survivor Lucha Edition. Yo, I'd watch the shit out of that. <laughs> all these guys in masks. Can you can you imagine? Can you imagine the five star frog splashes off of trees? <laughs> Can we get can we get like a DDT Pro Star match where it's like um like the beach death match? <laughs> <laughs> death match kinda, at the beach. Isn't that kind of what Lost is? Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know what? Like, I mean, honestly, if, be fair, if, if Lucha Underground did a death match at a beach, Lost is a pretty close approximation to what it would end up being. That that is who plays this... the smoke monster? Pentagon Junior. <laughs> It turns out in Lucha Underground they were dead the whole time. Oh man. <laughs> oh. What did the medallions mean? <laughs> I'll see you in another life, brother. Uh, <laughs> oh god, we have gone down the rabbit hole now. <laughs> We've lost. What, Karrion Cross? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. That was a really weird, like, last minute cameo it really was they have like two matches and he just killed paul london or somebody yeah yeah <laughs> and he's right sure by the way yes, yes with a big bulge <laughs> i mean wrestling in that and yeah having most and, and his rabbit tribe wrestling in what they uh, wore props to them for being comfortable wearing that because i couldn't imagine it was very comfortable wrestling and stuff like that <laughs> I had a damn seizure watching them wrestle. What was the guy with the... I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, as as stated before, um, fifth season wasn't produced in 2019. And uh, in his interview with Chris Van Vliet, Vampiro stated it was effectively cancelled and the promotion dissolved, which, again, a big shame for, for a company that was really out there doing something incredibly different at the time. For it to kind of end on a whimper rather than a bang is, is it's upsetting, really. Yeah, I think the I think the upsetting thing is it. I feel like that's gonna discourage people from trying it again. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, that, yeah. That was gonna be my final question. question. Do you think that the, a, a, an episodic format show with such kind of like heightened reality like that, do you think it could ever, ever kind of work again in today's honestly, climate? I really do. I honestly think it could survive, and I think if it was say like. If it was something that got, say, like backing from like IWTV, mm. and was maybe done on a smaller scale and then slowly ramped up, yeah. I genuinely think the format could work. It's a shame Robert Rodriguez is off doing episodes of The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, playing the guitar to Baby Yoda because you know, I feel that I mean... a lot of untapped potential. 
Uh, I thought you were about to say, I thought you were about to say like something like um, there's a lot of untapped potential in Baby Yoda becoming a part of Lucha Underground. <laughs> Give me Masquerita Sagrada. Just put him, put a Yoda costume on him. I mean, come on, look. Marvel's space, partnership with Triple space, space Western Wrestling. Space, space I mean, Western Wrestling. Now, you that know, is a honestly, Mexican indie that I want yeah, to see. Honest, honestly, real talk, like a, a Lucha Western show would work a lot. <laughs> the I'm thing is you're the thing is you're saying that but i'm thinking about like western movie tropes and it honestly would yeah like it's one-to-one -one. like the black hat is literally just a fucking just a duel hat. it's literally just a duel yeah let's get let's get I, to work on this guys i mean come on look if there is one company where adam page deserves to be champion the inaugural champion straight out <laughs> space western wrestling needs to be the <laughs> that sounds like a bte title <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying right now is Matt and Nick, if you're listening to this and you steal that idea, I, I want at least one pound in royalties for that. Very heavy at all. <laughs> so, I guess the final question then as well is like um thoughts and feelings really on, on do you on its legacy as a company and as a concept. For yeah. me personally, it's the thing that Oh, what could have been? I think with it, right? So many, like so many things, like just behind the scenes, just went wrong, and it and it's really, really heartbreaking. It could have gotten been so well, and that, and that, like, because I think what gets to me about it is that its format is perfect for wrestlers in a physical level. Hmm. Because this, like, this is a this is a format where, like, you can like it's like um the cinematic style that's been popping up now, really, only a show. Mm. Yeah. So Firefly yeah, Funhouse, the promotion. Basically. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hard. Your thoughts and feelings, kind of, on its lasting legacy as promotion. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely um. I mean, Lucha Underground came at a at a perfect time yeah. for wrestling fans because this is when WWE was starting to kind of plateau a little bit, mm. like creatively. Uh, TNA was pretty much non-existent at this point. Uh, Ring of Honor, Japan wasn't even at its peak yet. Mm. Uh, the indie, indie scene wasn't where it is now. There wasn't a ton of true alternatives out there for fans. And when Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground came around, that was like... I mean, to this day, I think it defines what a true alternative should be. And they really gave the fans that. They really they experimented with different things. And I think the fans responded well to that, especially the first two seasons. Mm. Um, but as far as, like, going forward, like, I think the, the problem with, like, the seasons and how they shot it is that these guys get so popular that they're going to want to grow and move elsewhere at some point. I mean, think of the roster that they had and how many of them are in WWE or AEW at this point? Yeah. Virtually all yeah. of them, right? <laughs> so it's like, if they were to continue with another season, like, who would who would be there? You have no Pentagon, no Phoenix, no uh, no Mundo. Like, it, all their stars are elsewhere. So it's... I think they would just have to fine-tune how they... Uh, I guess the contractual situations and how they handled everything. But uh, ultimately, I think, as, as far as this lasting legacy, I think it's always going to be one of the most fun things to watch for wrestling fans. I think it has a lot of rewatchability too, which yeah. is good. 
without question. And uh, Dan, I'll leave you as the final person <laughs> with the final yeah, statement. Yeah, on- honestly, I think it's just that like the legacy is what or how alternative a wrestling products can be. Mm. It kind of just shows like how far you can kind of take it, and also just kind of how good it can be to kind of remove the restraints that you often people don't realize you often have with a wrestling show Mm. Uh, and just say like you know what we're gonna let people do all the ridiculous stuff that they want to (laughs) because in in this space that those rules don't apply yeah yeah it's a really good creative space for people to work in it shows the power of just committing this committing to something and embracing what it is yeah yeah, I feel yeah, I feel, something as well was popped into my mind what you said hard. I feel like you will be able, I'd say 10 years from now be able to go back to it because it is I guess it was a very concerted effort from the producers and the writing team to make it timeless by not putting too many references to present time in there. So at the very least you can go back and go, "Oh man, I can follow this great and I can still get some of the references." Right. It just kind of exists yeah. in its own space. Yeah. Damn. I feel like WWE really does need to do that more often. I mean, if, if, if Vince ain't doing it, Trips, I mean, I know you've been doing it with uh, Zia Lee um, as well and her kind of backstory <laughs> with all this stuff. Uh, keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing I it. I support it. <laughs> Alrighty, that concludes our episode all about Lucha Underground. I enjoyed the heck out of this because it's like I got to go back and watch most of the episodes that I could find given we're in England <laughs> I just really sit down and talk about it because I you know going through it and going through all the seasons and the synopses and the storylines made me go damn dude they had some really good matches like wall to wall in every episode yeah it was like they really did because like I said like I watched the first two seasons really two and a half like a few years ago when they were on Netflix and uh i kind of fell off for whatever reason just kind of lost interest but then when you messaged me then it was like well i finally have a reason to to finish this out and i'm so glad i did because there's so much even the bad stuff was like entertaining to watch at at most points at least um anything that didn't involve jake strong at least uh, (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) yeah but yeah thank you guys for having me on by the way once again i mean it was ton of fun because you know i don't get the chance to talk about lucha underground a lot so it's, it's really fun to reflect on such a great promotion oh no thank you so much hard it's it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to sit and chat with you and as i said you know on the top of this and i'll keep saying it to the to, to the high heavens go listen to the apron bump podcast it is so so much fun it is chin wag approved <laughs> well, that's all that matters. that's all i seek I seek the old chinwag proof. <laughs> you have it. You may now die in peace. <laughs> Look, if if Reardon's giving you that approval... Look, Reardon, we told you don't make death threats against the guests. <laughs> and I told you, you can't stop me. Don't worry. I'll, I'll call Aerostar over here and he'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so our next episode... Oh, this one's going to be a bit of a doozy, and I'm really going to enjoy this one uh, for a multitude of reasons. We are joined by the Stranger Rings podcast as we talk about wrestlers in music. Ooh, here uh, we the, go. I'm going I'm to do the little clarifier here. This is about wrestlers performing music, 
not references to wrestlers in music. So no big show in the Fong Song video. We're talking about the Pole Driver oh, album. Man. <laughs> Is that podcast episode going to be a musical? Oh, now that we you could said try it. and do that, listen, but I feel listen, like that's going to be a toughie. Listen, do not say that to a theater nerd. Don't say that. <laughs> just starts out. the whole episode just just pure harmonies yeah i'm only i'm only saying it because i i remember talking about this and someone just kept talking about references to references to wrestlers in rap songs and i was like we'll literally be here for nine hours if we go through those (laughs) (laughs) oh no that one's gonna be a doozy i'm looking forward to, uh, to having that chat with the stranger rings guys but until then I have been Sam, this has been Dan, Reardon, and the Apron Bump podcast, and you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We will see you on the next one. Bye! Bye! I'm hard. <laughs> <laughs>